be back in our text that we've been preaching from uh, from the last several months as we've started this year in Romans chapter 12. And I'll be honest with you, folks. This is uh, this has been a blessing for me to study out personally and uh, to uh, uh, just look at the very practical ways that God has set for uh, us up as Christians on how to overcome evil. Kind of think of this uh, maybe as uh, your spiritual magazine, Amen. As far as uh, that holds your spiritual ammo, uh, not a magazine you read. Of course, if, if if I say magazine, I guarantee you I'm not talking about something you read, Amen. I'm talking about something that holds ammo. And, uh, but, or kind of what I say, the freedom seeds. Amen. And, uh, but anyway, uh, think of this as your spiritual ammo, uh, that you're going to use, uh, to overcome evil. And that's exactly what this is. These are, uh, very practical things God gives us, uh, that we can apply to our life. And in doing so, we can, as the Bible says in verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So if you find your place, stand with me as we, uh, read our, uh, scripture this morning. Uh, we're going to look at verse 9 and read down through verse 12. The Bible says this, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And here's our text verse this morning. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for the Bible, the Word of God. Uh, Lord, how powerful it is. Lord, thank you, God, for uh, giving us, Lord, a copy of your inspired, preserved Word. And I pray that we'd take the uh, things we hear this morning, and God, we'd apply them to our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd make very practical application to us. And I pray that you would uh, help us to go out of here, Lord, uh, being armed up for another week to do business against the evil that's in this dark world we're living in. We love you. We thank you now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me quickly mention the first eight uh, things that we've talked about. Of course, what you see in verse 9 is what's known as Christian character. Uh, these are attributes that a Christian lives by. These are things that we practice and that we live out because we're Christians. And, and here's what we've talked about so far. We've talked about, uh, number one, a genuine love for people. Number two, a detest for that which is evil. Number three, cleaving to the good. Number four, kind, kindred actions. Number five, setting an unquestionable example. Number six, not slothful in business. Number seven, fervent in spirit. And number eight, serving the Lord. And these are the first eight we've talked about. And then we're going to look at uh, uh, verse um, uh, number 12 today and look at three more. Amen. Three more things to add uh, to our list of Christian character on how to overcome evil. So here we go. Look at the first one. Very simply, here's what it says. Rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. Now that word rejoicing, it means full of cheer. It means calm happy, well off. Now, you may be saying to yourself, preacher, come on now, do you understand what day and age that we're living in? Uh, this has got to be some typo by God. I mean, uh, don't, don't we look around and see what's going on? I mean, inflation at the highest it's ever been? Gas prices? Let's not even go there this morning. Amen? Uh, you know, supposed coming food shortages? Slowing economy? Russia, China, North Korea? And then on top of all these things, just 
just the, the things we have to deal with, loved ones getting sick, family passing away, people struggle with the same things they've always struggled with, and you're saying the Bible commands me to be full of cheer, calm, happy, and well off? Are you kidding me? Well, first of all, let me say this. I didn't say it. God did. Amen? God said it. And second of all, we need to look and see why we can rejoice. Why we can rejoice. Notice again what it says here. Man, this is so important. Rejoicing in what, church? Hope. Let's say that again. Rejoicing in what? Hope. You say, hope. What is there to hope in? Well, listen, I'm not going to just tell you what to hope in. First of all, let me tell you what not to hope in. All right? What not to hope in. Let me tell you right now. You got your hope in the wrong thing, then yeah, you there will be no rejoicing in your heart. I guarantee you that. How about this? Let's not hope in government. Let's not hope in government. Now, let me say, I want to have good leaders. I believe we ought to vote and pray for good leaders. Amen? But at the end of the day, you know what? There's still flesh and blood, just like you and I. So I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not rejoicing in the hope of government. You know what else I'm not rejoicing in? The hope of the economy. Now listen, I want the economy to be good. I hope gas prices get lower. I want for every single person to prosper to the best of their ability. But listen to me, folks. When this thing's said and done at the end of the day, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. By the way, none of it's going with us to the next life. None of it. In fact, saved or lost, it's staying behind. And truth be told, according to the Word of God, it's all one of these days going to burn anyway. Amen? So my hope's not in the economy. You know what? I'm not hoping on life on earth getting any better. Now, some people, uh, you know, they, 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 well, you know, things are going to turn around. Well, I got news for you. According to the Word of God, they're not turning around. They're not going to get better until they get a lot worse. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, if you, if you, if you got this, you know, head stuck in the sand, Pollyannist view of life, uh, you know what? You're not reading your Bible. Amen. And you're not looking around and see what's going on. And I'm going to say my famous saying that I've been saying over and over and over and over again. I hope it sticks in your heart. Things aren't falling apart. They're falling in place. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, folks, according to the word, if you have a Bible view on things, this thing's not getting better before it gets worse. So these are some things. Now, there's probably more that could be on the list, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on the negative this morning. I want to show you on some things that you can be happy, calm, and well rejoicing in. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you right now, as a Christian, if you don't get your eyes where they ought to be, you're you're going to be a very discouraged person. You're not going to be a very good example of, of, of the love and the joy of Christ. And you know what? You're not going to influence anybody for anything if we're acting just like the world's acting. Amen? Alright, so let's look at these things. What is there to rejoice in the hope of? Well, I'm glad you asked me because the Bible's got some answers. Amen? How about this? Rejoicing in the hope of God's promises. Rejoicing in the hope of God's promises. I believe it was in our spring revival. Pastor Ross preached from this passage of Scripture here. Romans chapter 4. Listen to these verses. I'll read them to you this morning. Man, this is good. Amen. Here's what it says. As it is written, talking about Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Think about that for a minute. What the Bible just said. Calleth those things which be not as though they were. 
Listen, folks, that's who our God is. Amen? Talking about things that are going to be that haven't even been yet. I kind of think of the days of Noah when God said it was going to rain. Nobody even knew what rain was. I mean, you might as well have been talking some foreign language. Rain, what's rain? They had no comparison to what was... Nobody even knew what rain was. They didn't believe in rain. But guess what? Who cares what they believed in? God, as the Bible says, called those things which be not as though they were. Notice, let's keep reading here. Verse 18, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Here we go. Look at verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You know what that passage tells us right there? Listen to me, folks. You can have hope in the fact that God keeps His promises. God keeps His promises. Man, I had fun this week just going through the Scripture. And I don't even have... We would spend weeks looking at all the promises of God throughout the Scripture. Here's just a couple of them. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 12, And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as He promised him. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto His people Israel according to all that He promised. There hath not failed one word of all His good promise, which He promised by the hand of Moses His servant. Did you hear what that said there, folks? Listen to me. Hey, not one word fell of all the things God promised that would happen. Romans chapter 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And how about this? How could we not read this verse when we're talking about the promises of God? 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. Listen to me, folks. If God promised it, it's going to happen. Amen? Let me tell you why it's going to happen. Because the Bible tells us that God cannot lie. Amen? Unlike human beings, there's not one ounce of untruth in our amazing God. So God can't lie. Not only that, God is bound by His Word. If God has said something, it has to happen because He binds Himself to His Word. You know why? Because He keeps His promises. Amen. You talk about something to rejoice in this morning. The fact that God's made us some promises. Hey, I'm going to put my rejoicing in that. Alright? I'm not going to put my rejoicing in what the stupid news media says. Who cares what they say? I'm going to rejoice in the promises of God. How about this? Number two, rejoice in the hope of not just God's promises, but rejoice in the hope of, how about this, salvation. Amen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, listen to this, the hope of salvation, knowing that you are saved and born again, is reason for rejoicing. I think more than one people ought to say amen on that one, alright? I'm gonna say that statement again. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna rewind a little bit. We're gonna go back in time. Knowing that you are saved and born again is reason for rejoicing. There you go. Amen. Listen, folks, it's a reason to be cheerful. It's a reason to be calm. It's a reason to be well off. You know why? Because of God's great salvation. 
Salvation, being saved from the burden of sin, being saved from the damnation of hell, being saved from the clutches of the devil, being saved from ever having to face Jesus Christ on that great white throne of judgment. Amen. Hey, we're saved by that. Don't let Satan rob you of the joy of your salvation. Don't let him rob you of that. I know, folks, come on. Let's, let's, let's be real for a minute this morning. Sometimes, uh, from time to time, we get down, don't we? Sometimes uh, we can get discouraged. Sometimes the devil can just flat out lie to us and make us doubt God and His Word. But when he comes and tries to steal away the hope of your salvation, hey, get out your spiritual sword and send him back to the place he belongs. Amen? Listen, you can rejoice in salvation. That's something worth rejoicing about. Amen? How about this? Rejoicing in the hope of eternal life. John, or Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Titus chapter 3, verse 7. That being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according, I love it, to the hope of eternal life. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad this life isn't all we had to look forward to. I'm glad life on earth. Again, I, I love the life God's given me to live. But man, if this all there was, I'd be discouraged too. Amen? But truth be told, folks, man, our best days are ahead as Christians. By the way, every single person that ever has been or ever will be is eternal. Every single person is eternal. It's just a matter of whether they'll have eternal life or whether they'll experience eternal death. Now, how in the world can we not rejoice in the hope of eternal life? Here's what Jesus said to us in John chapter 10. I love this passage of Scripture. I use it often. It's my favorite passage to go to when I'm dealing with eternal security. Here's what Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. By the way, you don't get eternal life when you die. You get it the moment you get saved. If you're saved here this morning, you already have eternal life. Amen? You already have eternal life. And here's what Jesus said, And they shall never perish. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So, so let's just the logic here for a minute, okay? If Jesus said, once you get saved, you become His sheep, and He knows you, and we follow Him, and He gives us eternal life. You know what? That's called salvation. Amen? It's called being born again. And so, if Jesus says He gives that to you, and then Jesus makes this statement, and they shall never perish. So if a person who at one time was saved can lose their salvation and go to hell, what's that make Jesus Christ? A liar. Because He said they shall never perish. So is Jesus a liar, yes or no? And I'm going to tell you something. You start comparing Scripture with Scripture, and the Scripture blows holes in the false belief that you can lose your salvation. Do not believe that false, unbiblical belief. And I know a lot of churches teach that, and they try to teach that, well, you gotta, you got you know, you got to uh, work out your own salvation. And, and they take a few phrases out of context, and, and they don't compare Scripture with Scripture, and they keep people under the bondage believing that they can lose their salvation. Now listen to me, you can displease your Heavenly Father. In fact, you can displease Him so much, the Bible says that there's a sin unto death. You know, you can displease your Heavenly Father so much, he will, he will make you come to heaven early because you've outlived your usefulness on earth. The Bible talks about that. Amen? But I'll tell you right now, why do you think uh, the Bible tells us, that, tells us that some people will be saved yet as by fire? You know what? They won't have any reward. They'll have nothing to throw at the feet of Christ. But yeah, they'll make it to heaven all right. 
And by the way, I, I, well, as long as I make it there, that's all that matters to me. Listen to me. Yes, you want to make it there, but that's not all that's going to matter to you that day. You're going to want to have not wasted your life on this earth. Let me tell you something, folks. There's hope in eternal life. Amen? No wonder we can rejoice in that. So we see we can rejoice in the hope of eternal life. How about this? We can rejoice in the hope of the second coming of Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, you preach about that a lot. You better believe I preach about that a lot. But it ought to be one of the forefront things we think about every single day in our Christian life. By the way, you know what? If you don't like hearing about Jesus coming, if you don't like hearing about the rapture and all that kind of stuff, then you know what? Don't stick around here very long because it happens. We talk, we preach about a whole lot around here. Titus 2.13, listen to this. Looking for that blessed, what? Hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, folks. You know what helps me personally make it through when things get down, when things get discouraged, and things look like they're collapsing all around us? You know what gets me through? It's the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Knowing the fact that Jesus is coming back again gets me through. Amen? I've taught you this before. I'm going to teach it to you again. Because again, a lot of people get messed up on this. The second coming of Christ happens in two parts. It happens in the rapture when He comes for His own. And then it happens in the return when He comes with His own. Amen? Now listen, why do you think the Bible is referring to the rapture as the blessed hope? You ever thought about that? Why does it say that, the blessed hope? Because let me tell you something, folks. There is hope in knowing that we won't be here to face the horrors of the tribulation period that the book of Revelation reveals to us. There is hope in that. Amen? That means that, guess what? We won't be here to be ruled under the regime of the Antichrist. Let me say this. The soon coming regime of the Antichrist. You know what's being set up right now before our very eyes? The, 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 the regime of the Antichrist. Listen, folks, everything that's happened in the last several years is lead up to that point. It's setting everything up. The stage is being set. I mean, everything is in place. Guess what? You know why we can rejoice in in our blessed hope? Because I got, listen, we're not going to be here for that. We won't be here to hear, uh, to have to choose between buying and selling or trading without the mark of the beast. Doesn't that sound awful familiar uh, in our day and age? Does it not? You can't go here unless you uh, uh, have uh, something that the government is making people get, right? Listen, we won't have to experience the rider of the black horse of famine, the red horse of war, and the pale horse of death and hell. By the way, what's getting set up right now that we've been talking about a little bit, but the coming food shortages? Listen to me. Listen, it's not going to just be a little bit level out and get better. No, it's setting up for what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 6 when the rider of the black horse comes out and there's a massive worldwide famine. That's what's being set up right now in our day and age. Listen, hey, no wonder it's a blessed hope. We won't be here for that. Amen? We won't be here when the pit of hell is literally open and swarms of demonic locusts scour the earth for four months to torment mankind. We won't be here to see the trees burned up, the sea turned to blood, and all the fresh water poisoned by the star wormwood. And on and on the book of Revelation talks about, listen to me, talk about relief, talk about a joy. Hey, talk about hope. Amen. Talk about hope. And again, do not be deceived into false doctrine floating around out there that this idea of a pre-tribulation rapture was a man-made doctrine. It's not man-made. It's Bible, amen. 
Listen to me. No wonder the Bible says calls it a hope. By the way, would it be much of a hope if we had to go through that? Would there be much of a hope at all? No, there wouldn't be a hope. And again, folks, there's a lot of false doctrine out there. Get your doctrine from the Word of God. So yes, there's hope that we can be happy, calm, and rejoice in. Hey, no wonder we can rejoice in hope. Number two, look what else verse 12 says. Rejoicing in hope. Look at this next phrase. Patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. Now listen, it's no accident that being patient in tribulation follows rejoicing in hope. Because let me say this, most of the hope that we have as a Christian has to do with the next life. Let me say that again. Most of the hope that we have as Christians has to do with the next life. But before we get there, guess what? we got to live here, don't we? And let's be honest. What is most of this life filled with? Tribulation. Tribulation. That word patient, it means to have fortitude, to persevere. Tribulation talks about affliction, anguish, trouble. Hey, reality check, tribulation is a part of life on earth. Let me say it again. Tribulation is a part of life on earth. Jesus promised that. John chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you that ye might uh, have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Amen? But... Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Do you kind of see how all this uh, ties together uh, there in Romans and what Jesus said there in the book of John? Listen to me, folks. There's all kinds of different tribulations we'll face uh, in this life. Here's, uh, uh, here, here's a few categories, if you will. How about this? The tribulations of everyday life. Pressures of going to work, making sure the bills are paid, the family's taken care of, you know, the car breaks down, we got to get it fixed. Hey, the AC goes out. Oh, amen, right? Kids get sick, financial woes, marriage problems, family problems, and on and on the list goes. You know what that's called? Tribulation of everyday life, living in a sin-cursed earth. Then you find this, there's another category of tribulation. The Bible also calls them testings. These are things that God allows in our lives to test our faith in Him. The Bible may refer to them as a fiery trial. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. These are things like the death of a loved one, maybe a terminal sickness, uh, a debilitating disease or sickness, things that make you just scratch your head and wonder, hey, why would God allow something like that to happen? Tribulations of testing. And then you know what? There's tribulations for being a Christian. Jesus said in second, oh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, of course he said it, it's his word, amen. But Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. John chapter 15, if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And let me tell you something, we may not see it as much in America, although we're starting to see it more in America. Let me say this, all across the earth, folks, there are hundreds and thousands of Christians giving their lives for Jesus Christ all around this world. Tribulations for the name of Christ. Tribulations for being a Christian. Now listen to me, no matter what kind of tribulations you're facing, God commands for us to be patient and wait on Him to do what needs to be done. Now, I don't know about you, but patience is one of the hardest things that I deal with. And probably that's true for most of us. Amen? Here's what I taught our young people. We live in the microwave generation. We want it now when we want it. 
And let me tell you, that's not the way God works most of the time. God doesn't work instantaneously. A lot of times the workings of God are a process and they involve time. And, and you, listen, you just got to be patient and let God do what He's going to do. So yes, you must rejoice in hope, but then you must be patient in tribulation. And then notice here the last phrase in verse 12. And again, folks, these just build upon each other because they go hand in hand. Notice what it says. This last three uh, word phrase, instant in, I'm sorry, four word phrase, continuing instant in prayer. Continuing instant in prayer. Let me tell you what that means. It means this, constantly diligent in prayer. Constantly diligent in prayer. By the way, you know how you can rejoice in hope? You know how you can be patient in tribulation? That's the answer for it right there. Continuing instant in prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest spiritual exercises you can be involved in as a Christian. Let me say that again. Prayer is one of the greatest spiritual exercises that you can be involved in as a Christian. Prayer is the fuel source of the Christian. That's why the devil works overtime to to keep Christians from having a meaningful, powerful, sincere prayer life. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Prayer, as a Christian, if you don't have a prayer life, and I don't mean one of these, you know, one, two, three, bless me prayers. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, uh, saying a quick little, uh, you know, repeated prayer we always say before we eat our meal. That's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about sincere, where you get in your prayer closet and you spend time with God on a regular basis. Let me tell you something. You as a Christian will not accomplish much for the glory of God. You as Christian, I can tell you right now, if you don't have a meaningful prayer life, you will not be rejoicing in hope. You will not be patient in tribulation. We'll be just like the world is, wringing our hands, worrying about everything, trying to figure figure it all out on our own. And listen to me, why drive yourself crazy like that as a Christian? Okay, listen folks, continuing instant in prayer. Listen, you gotta be diligent in prayer. You gotta be, you gotta stay faithful in prayer. I would love to tell you that every time you prayed, you're gonna get immediate results. But truth be told, most of the time, we don't. Prayer is one of those things God has set up in such a way, it takes total dependence upon Him. And listen, you just got to be faithful at it. Amen? You just got to stay with it. Here's some simple prayer principles uh, that the Bible teaches us. You want to get some prayers answered? You better follow the Bible for me to get prayers answered. Again, let me just remind you, God is not a genie in the bottle. Okay? Oh, I want a new car. God, give me a new car. Oh, how come you didn't give me a new car, God? You know how many people treat God like that? Okay, that is not what prayer is about. Okay, here's let me just give you quickly some prayer principles if you want your prayers answered. If you want to do what the Bible says, continue instant in prayer. Number one, you got to go believing. You got to go believing. Jesus said in Matthew twenty one twenty two, in all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Listen, it's very very important to come to God in strong faith, confident He's able to do what we ask of Him. Now, that doesn't mean we come arrogantly. That doesn't mean we come bossing God around. But listen to me, folks. If God wants to, He can. God is able. That song we sing sometimes on Thursday night, He's able. We sing it at camp. He's able. He's able. I know He's able. I know my God is able to carry me through. That song we sing sometimes. Listen, let me remind you this morning. He is able. Amen? God can do anything He wants to do. And listen, when you go in prayer, you come with that confidence to God, believing He can do what you ask. Now, that doesn't mean that He will, because as we'll look in a minute, it may not be His will, but it means this, you go believing. 
Number two, here's a very powerful prayer principle. you got to go clean. And I don't mean you just walked out of your physical shower. I'm talking about you just, you're going to Him uh, that you've just come out of your spiritual shower. Isaiah chapter 59, listen to this verse. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither His ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. You know why some Christians never get prayers answered? Because you know what? Spiritually speaking, they're dirty. I'm not talking about they're not saved. I'm just talking about they have layer upon layer upon layer of unconfessed sin in their life. Listen to me, folks. Again, it's something I talk about regular, but it's so important. Listen, we need to stay clean and pure before our God. Clean and pure. That means this. You need to go to God every day, sometimes multiple times a day, and do what the Bible says if we confess our sin. Amen? Listen, go to God with your sin. He knows about it anyway. He knows about it. He just wants to know that we know about it. And we bring it to God. We confess it to God. It's not a matter of being perfect. It's a matter of being clean. Amen? Listen, if you want to get your prayers answered, you've got to be clean. Amen? Go before God. Believing. Go clean. Don't miss this. Go in Jesus' name. John chapter 14. And whatsoever you shall ask in My name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in My name, I will do it. And folks, let me just say this to you, alright? Uh, those of you that I call on to pray, and, and, uh, and, we, and when we do pray, always in your prayer with that phrase, in Jesus' name. Always in your prayer in that. Sometimes I've heard Christians pray and they, they don't end with that. They don't say that in Jesus' name. Now listen to me. Again, it's not some little magic formula per se. Although the Bible says to do it, if God says to do it, I'm doing it. Amen? We ought to do everything in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ. But especially when we pray. There's something about the name of Jesus that's powerful. Listen, it makes the spirit world tremble. Amen? There's power in that name. Use it when you pray. Listen, that's who we're going through, by the way. You know what? He earned the right for us to pray through Him. He earned the right. He earned the right, number one, just because He's our God. But He's not just our God. He's our Savior. And he, when He hung on that cross and He shed His blood, when He died, some powerful things happened. One of those things, the Bible says, that middle wall partition was ripped down and He, he through His shed blood, gave us direct, direct access to the throne of God. Yes, we better be praying through His name. Amen? Yes, it's a big deal to end your prayer in the name of Jesus or in Jesus' name. Amen? So go in His name. How about this? Number four, go filled with the Scriptures. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 15. If, by the way, there's a lot of if promises in the Bible. That means if you do this, then God will do this. If ye abide in Me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Hey, let me tell you, one of the best things you can do when you pray, incorporate the Scripture in your prayer. You know what I do a lot of times when I pray? I remind God what He said to me. My favorite reminder verse is Jeremiah 33.3. And I'll, I'll say this in prayer. Now, Lord, You said to me that uh, if I would call unto You, that You would answer me, and You would show me great and mighty things that I know not. And God, I'm simply just reminding You of what You said for me to do. Listen, God likes it when we pray through the Scripture, when we go filled with Scripture. By the way, again, it keeps our motives right. It It keeps us where we need to be. So go filled with Scripture. Again, don't be arrogant, but it's okay to remind God what He promised us. Again, it's not that... 
He doesn't know. He wants for us to know that He knows. Amen? Go filled with Scripture. How about this? Go with a pure motive. A pure motive. James chapter 4 the Bible says this, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Why? Because ye ask not. This is written to Christians, by the way. Ye ask and receive not, because why? Ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Did you hear that? An enemy of God. You can't be buddy-buddy with the world and buddy-buddy with God at the same time. just can't happen. Amen? In fact, the Bible goes far to say, if you're friending up with the world, you're considering yourself God's enemy. Written to Christians. Amen? Let me say, selfish, carnal prayer requests are never accepted or answered by God. If you're going to be on praying ground, listen, you've got to choose friendship with God over the friendship with the world. And our motive for asking must be pure and selfless. Why are we praying this request? Is it so, as the Bible says, we can consume it upon our own lust? Is that why we're praying it? Amen? Listen, you've got to have the right motive when you pray. Next, we see this. You must be willing to obey. 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 20 through 22. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Hey, let me say this to you. God reserves special blessing for His obedient children. Let me say that again. God reserves special blessing for His obedient children. Hey, does God love everybody the same, yes or no? Yes. Grounds level at the cross, there's absolutely no respect of persons when it comes to the love of God. But I'll tell you this, there sure is respect of persons when it comes to the blessings of God. Because you know what blessings are based upon, church? Obedience. Obedience. Listen, if you're not willing to obey what God has for, uh, tells you to do in your Word, why would you expect Him to answer your prayer? If you're not willing to obey what He tells for us to do. Now listen, this isn't your cute little, you know, three little point prayer that uh, cheapens it down. This is Bible when it comes to getting your prayers answered. Amen? Listen, go willing to obey. And then let me say this, go seeking the will of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, listen to this, according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. So let me tell you, truth be told, if you break it all down, the key to successful prayer life, praying within the will of God. That's the key right there. Seeking after God. Lord, what's your will in this area? Well, I can tell you there's some things that the Bible tells me is the will of God. The Bible says it's the will of God that, that it's not, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that means this, when we pray for a lost soul to be saved, be guaranteed it's within the will of God. And when we begin to pray for a person and then look for opportunities to witness to a person, I'm going to tell you something, folks, it's a powerful combination. You pray, you witness, God will hear that prayer. And you know what? It may not be in our time, but I'll tell you this, it's in God's time. How many times have you ever heard of someone give a testimony? I prayed for so-and-so to be saved for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and they finally got saved. Listen, you just got to be persistent in that prayer. So how, how are we going to overcome evil? All right? Well, what's the ammo that we're going to load up with this week? 
Alright? Verse 12. I just gave you uh, three uh, powerful bullets to put in your magazine this week. Amen? Rejoicing in hope. Alright? Rejoicing in hope. Rejoice in the hope of the things the Bible tells us to hope in. Patient in tribulation. Patient. Listen, sometimes the Bible says this, Endure! Endure! Isn't that what Jesus did? He what? He endured the cross. Yes, I know it's not pleasant. Yes, I know it's not fun. But hey, i got good news for you. It's not going to last forever. Amen? Be patient in tribulation. And then continuing instant in prayer. So hey, you know what? We find out through all this, it's hard work to overcome evil, isn't it? Listen, you gotta take, you gotta be serious when it comes to overcoming evil. By the way, the Christian life's not a game. It's something we ought to be serious about. Listen, let me tell you, casual Christianity produces casualties. Let me say that again. Casual Christianity produces casualties. You cannot live this Christian life with this just a casual attitude, you know, treat, cr- treating the Bible like a buffet. Well, I'll take some of that, but I don't think I want any of that. No, listen, folks, we obey the, all the counsel of God, the whole counsel of God. Amen? And if we'll take these things and apply them to our life, I'm going to tell you right now, listen, we can as Christians be successful and do exactly what it says for us in verse 21, not to be overcome of evil, but to overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Lord.